0: everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Barger-Milas, and I am the editor here at Televisions, and joining me as per usual is my co-host and her cat, Miss Annie Bundle. Hi. Um, How are you today? Uh, I, I think letting Max in the room while you do this is maybe a dangerous move. Bakerloo is in here with me, so if you hear a jingling, that's why, but he's asleep. So,
1: yeah, Max is just having a little roll on my side desk here and I am petting his belly and he's just having a chill out and he's probably going to go sleep in the window in a little bit. But yeah, uh, I I think we're okay here. Um, Yeah, there he goes. He's going to go chill in the window. The
0: televisions podcast
1: with our cats yeah i also have uh skelly visions the uh the mascot who uh um my bff olivia shout out to her um brought over this past weekend and he is hanging out behind me um i'm sorry that the world can't see him but he is he
0: is a large glow-in-the-dark plush skeleton yep
1: he's cuddly
0: (laughs) it looks like a very large vaguely creepy like
1: Coraline style body pillow yeah kind of except he's got a dowel in him because that way he can he can be propped up um <laughs> there's pictures of yeah. him on my instagram You'll you'll love him
0: um anyway i guess it's fair because this episode is dropping on halloween which is my favorite holiday <laughs> um happy halloween everybody i will be going to the office dressed as the 13th doctor because my brand is my brand although my hair is not really blonde enough for Jodie Whittaker, but we're just going to pretend. I don't want to wear a wig this year.
1: Okay. Um I am I am debating. I have a blue wig and I'm debating between like several different anime characters or just being sad, you know, cuz that sad doesn't require well, anything that,
0: but a- There's that Pixar that Pixar.
1: Yeah, that, no that's what I mean. Sad. Emotion
0: show. I never yeah. actually saw that movie or show or whatever it was. Anyway, <laughs> um <laughs> We're doing great. Uh we actually like returned to the office this week a little bit. And uh we're still not rec- I'm still recording in the clouds. so don't get your hopes up, people. <laughs> but it's it's thrown off my like understanding of time and what day it is. So I don't know. We'll just see how this goes.
1: Um, we what what are we talking about today other than like everything else? Um, <laughs> we're talking about a show that I think we actually both
0: really like for different reasons because it's messy but fun messy and we're doing um Our topic today is the second season of HBO's The Gilded Age, which just premiered. Yes. And I feel like I have to put like a blanket warning on this. Unlike normal times, I have actually seen the whole season. So I'm going to try very, very hard to restrict my commentary to the first episode. But just like be warned that I'm not always good at it. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to try my best.
1: I have also seen the whole thing because I also reviewed it. The, I also reviewed this ahead of time. Um, it is eight episodes. Um, I reminded Lacey where episode one ended for all the storylines. Um, I I have a lot of big feelings about the whole
0: season. I have to say that I don't have what I would classify as big feelings. I for the for just like, let's do an overview of what we thought. OK. Um, I really liked it. I think the show is fun. I think the show has... At least somewhat learned that, like, I don't know who else out there watches the morning show on Apple TV, Ah. which is another show that is like it's it it wanted to be like very serious and topical and like tackle big prestige issues. But now it's just accepted that, like, it's just a mess soap opera. And it's so much better now that it stopped trying to be something it's not. And I feel like that's what the Gilded Age does a lot this season is that it stops trying to be something it's not except in very specific instances which now stand out worse than ever because they're so like, what is this from another show? Where did this come from? Mm. So I don't know. I was pretty happy with it overall. It is uh, one of my editors referred to the first season as a gloriously satisfying nothingness. (laughs) And I feel like that is the most accurate description of the show that I can think of. It is so like ephemeral and ridiculous, but I mean, it's fun to watch.
1: Yeah, um, so... When I, um, I didn't, I'm not doing recaps for, uh, this season, um, because I am no longer with the AB club. Um, but when I, uh, when I did recaps for the first season, I got this sense every single time, um, you know, Coco Chanel is famous for saying, you know, that a lady should look in the mirror before she leaves the house and take off, you know, one accessory before going out. And I always felt like, you know, that with the Gilded Age, it really needed to look in the mirror and take off one plot line before going out.
0: Oh, try like four plot lines. Season one is just a mess. I
1: honestly like there there's no doing that in season two. There are so many plot lines that there is no taking one off because it is just such a just just such a train wreck of plot lines that there's no there there there's nothing you can remove because they're all so jumbled together.
0: Oh, I have several you could remove. I, that I don't actually want to remove that much, but I feel like do not fit with the tone of where the show is this season and could easily be sort of just sort of just like cut out and tossed and nothing would be lost as much as um, one of them. I would really like the show to do better with, but it doesn't.
1: Um, What I, what bothered me this season and um,
0: I'm, I'm going to take a sec to like set the stage for everyone. Okay. So like season two, is part of the reason that the Gilded Age is so much fun is that like literally there is no other show on television that could frame its entire season around two incredibly rich bitchy women <laughs> um supporting different operas. Yep. That's a whole season. That is the season right there. That's um, the A Miss...
1: plot of the season.
0: That that is um and almost everything else kind of intersects with that in some way or other. But the big plot of the season is is literally warring opera houses and Mrs. Astor is Team Academy of Music. Mrs. Um Russell is mad because she did not get a box this season at the Academy of Music. Keep in mind she doesn't actually like opera. Um actually, I shouldn't think not, any of them do, but it it's like the prestige of going
1: with opera.
0: Like I know, but it's like the prestige of like going to these shows, but like I just want to underline that they all actually don't really even like opera, but they spend like hours scheming to go to the opera. So anyway, Mrs. Russell decides to support that upstart Metropolitan Opera. So um this is one of those things where it's slightly less exciting because if you've ever heard of the Metropolitan Opera, you know who wins. <laughs>
1: um, you know, and the thing is, is this is kind of based a little bit on history. It's not completely made up. Um, this actually was something of a thing that happened during the Gilded Age, where um the 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 the, the not train robber barons, but these these people who came in who now whose name is now Grace Banks like Chase and and so forth JP
0: Morgan that kind of thing they are
1: yeah. men who were not
0: like um uh they did not come from wealthy families they made their money in industry yeah. is the best way to frame it
1: they really did come in and were rejected by the 400 as they were known which was the old families of New York and they really did start these upstart places like the Metropolitan Opera now the Metropolitan Opera for the record this story is is kind of fictionalized the Metropolitan Opera doesn't actually have boxes um, so this fight over boxes isn't real but the Metropolitan Opera was started by um the wives of these new uh, these nouveau riche and the and and basically they took over because they were newer and nicer, basically. Um and actually it it, it cracked me up because I I I I I, w- I went to a round table where they Talk to the where we where we uh, listened to a discussion with the designers. Apparently, they like went all in on this script, and then they got to the Metropolitan Opera, and that's when they realized there weren't any boxes there, <laughs> and they had to basically like build them last minute and sort of stuff them in, um, which cracks me up no end. Um, but anyway, what the thing about it is is that this is the of all the plot lines in this season, and there are oh my god so many.
0: I mean, there's just a lot that you don't even need to pay attention to. I'm just going to be upfront about it.
1: I mean there there are there are there are uh scandalous fathers who are servants there are there are uh there are straight out of the romance uh straight out of the romance section in your book things of governesses being being asked to be married by their by by the people they work for there are there are um there are just ridiculous uh there there are there are, there are there of course there are the closeted men getting engaged to to women who don't know that they're being engaged to closeted men. Um, there's all these kinds of things that like you expect. Um, there's 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 women there's there's even like women empowerment um um storylines. Um, I think actually my favorite is uh, one of my favorite storylines this this season has to do with Cynthia Nixon's Ada Brooke who as we learned last season she uh, basically feels like her life ended at twenty two when she wasn't asked to be married and she's basically like genuinely like internalized this in her soul that her life is over and she's just living in a shadow and she begins to actually question this this season and it's a beautiful thing and it literally could be its own series like it could be an eight episode season of a period drama all on its own just starring Cynthia Nixon and Christine Baranski
0: Actually, they are the best part of this season for me, the two of them.
1: Their relationship, oh, yes. I think,
0: in season one was played for comic relief a oh, yes. lot because Christine Bransky is, of course, Christine Bransky and gets all the best lines. She still gets all the best lines this season, but I think the show does really interesting things with her and Ada's relationship mm-hmm. and and digging into it in in a way that I that I found really satisfying. Plus Ada meets the nice new Reverend down at the Hoity Toity Church, who is played by Robert Sean Leonard, who I have had a crush on since Dead Poet Society, so... Get it, Ada.
1: It's really funny. She, 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 she said she she used the actor's name, and I was like, wait, wait, which one? Which new guy is that? And she's like the Reverend, and I was like, oh, okay, the Reverend. Like, I
0: love Robert Sean Leonard.
1: Anyway, point being, like, there's a whole like I couldn't. Be- there's a level where I'm like, why isn't this the a plot this season?
0: Well, I mean, once again, the show is trying to do too much. Like, it's it's there's too much. Ha- the problem. And we talked about this last season, and I feel like we probably, even though this podcast didn't exist then, I know I've, I have talked about it since then in, in terms of the movies, like like it just wants to be very down Abbey-esque and like it thinks we care about the servants. Um, <gasps> let me tell you, <laughs> I do not know any of their names or what they're doing. I don't care. I only know the one is named Bannister because- Because he's named <laughs> furniture because he's named for furniture and every time I remember the joke I made last season about are they all named after furniture is there like banister and chair and ottoman (laughs) they could be named ottoman I don't know I could not like I could not care less about them because the show doesn't give me any reason to and also it does that weird Downton Abbey thing where they're all just like super excited to be working for rich people like it's very strange. Yeah. I wish the show understood that it's called the Gilded Age. And the reason that we're watching it is because of these like ridiculous rich people and their ridiculous rich people problems. I just like this. The servants stuff, water off a duck's back this year, like even more than normal. I don't. St- some of them do things. I don't care.
1: I, I got to say that the the sur- the 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 obsequiousness of the servants Really? They just love
0: they just love the Van Ryans. They love them.
1: I mean, it especially in contrast to the fact that George Russell has this whole like unionization problem that he's trying to deal with.
0: Let me just let me just put a little flag down and say this is not the show that is equipped to talk about workers' rights.
1: Amen. Like we have this whole unionization workers' rights thing that, that fellows is trying to do on one hand while he's also having these obsequious servants who love their masters so much. And it's just oh my god, it's so painful. Yeah, I'm just I would like,
0: definitely jet it. Like though I I get I get what they're trying to do with the union plot. Well, number one, they're trying to give um they're trying to give George Russell something to do. Yeah. <laughs> other than be like a wife guy, which is his primary skill.
1: Listen, he can be a wife guy. That's fine.
0: His primary skill and personality trait is being a wife guy. But apparently we need to see him be a businessman or something too. So like no. he gets in the first episode, he gets he's all like head up about workers in Pittsburgh wanting to be paid fairly. So wild. God forbid. Um Eight hour work and only, days. Wor- and only work eight <laughs> hours a day. What monsters! Weekends. Um,
1: who could? Th- who thought? Anyway,
0: but I don't know. Like I just don't like. I there's just so many wrong choices here. Like the existence of the union plot at all is wild to me because, like I said, this is not a show that is equipped to be nuanced about this in any way. Um, this is a show that privileges the perspectives of very rich people and like there's no time to do the story justice cuz it's like 87 other stories happening
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and i don't even know if like maybe if this story had happened I, attaching it to george russell is just also a mistake
1: oh yes absolutely um everything about everything about the union story is a mistake honestly like there was a level where at one point i was taking notes and i wrote why 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 is why are these two houses in one show. Okay? There are two very good shows here. One of them is the Van Ryn House, which is perfectly good on its own to be the Downton Abbey air. With its upstairs and its downstairs, I might even care about downstairs if they actually had some time to be something... Which they might, if like we just divided this whole thing off and like put it on its own show, and Baranski and Nixon and 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 that 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 little blonde thing that that kind that's beginning to learn how to act and 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 all that stuff and and her teaching and 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 and, and getting a and getting a job and go go girl you know go um I'm glad I'm glad you're not getting a I'm glad you're not getting hustled this season that's great um honestly like. That is one show in and of itself. It doesn't need the rest of it. Why is it smashed into this great show about hats and dresses? Like I have a whole show about hats and dresses that I am perfectly happy to watch that I that, that 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 could be a whole separate hour on its own. And I don't need servants in that show and I don't need unions in that show. I just need Carrie Coons to walk out in that gold lamé and I need her to go to Newport and do that Newport dress. It that was a recycled dress from last year. She wears the same dress in Newport every time I think. <laughs> um <laughs> What I was going to
0: say was I think I think it worked a little better in season one because season one very deliberately sort of set its main plot around like the like the twin kind of.
1: Yes. Two houses alike in dignity. Yes.
0: Well, no, I was going to say not even the houses, like specifically Agnes and Bertha.
1: Mm, Yes. Like
0: and and the conflict between them is is very much like the, the linchpin around which they build most of the rest of the series. In season two, they barely interact. Yeah. Which makes the, which makes, which is unfortunate because I mean, I'll watch Christine Baranski and Carrie Coon, like argue with each other all day. But like now they're in very different, very separate plot lines and it feels less cohesive. Like Agnes isn't going to Newport.
1: No. And honestly, like all it feels like is that they are detracting from each other. When when I'm watching Cynthia Nixon and and Christine Baranski and 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 they're and they're and they're trying to figure out how to be sisters together and also be equals but also not be equals and 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 their love for each other and 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 everything that they go through this season, that's all I want to watch. I don't want to go back to Bertha and her hats right now. Okay. And when I'm watching Bertha and her hats, oh my god, that hat
0: sequence. I thought of you when that ha- I thought of you when that happened. Um, I I would say also I mean I don't know there's the like the balance of this season is a little bit off for me especially even in this first episode like I feel like I feel like in some ways the Van Ryan household has has become more cohesive to yes. me I feel like they're more of a they family are. unit they're more of a like they're more I feel like everyone in that house has relationships with everyone else in that house. Yes. So it feels very, like, solid to me in a way that it didn't in season one. And somehow the Russell house feels less solid to me. Like, Mary's never there. Gladys is, like, trying to get out of it. Like, even... Even... um, Because I love George and Bertha. I actually think that that is a really intriguing, like, Mm -hmm. depiction of a relationship for a show like this. Yes. they, you know, there's too much happening. They don't get that much screen time. And it doesn't fit. And they don't, And that, that house does not feel cohesive to me in the way that the Van Ryan house does. And,
1: and, and the thing is, is that because the Van Ryan house feels so cohesive, it feels like it needs to be its own show off to the side. It doesn't need to be here. It needs to be its own hour. And then we need to have the Russells off on its own hour. And then I'm sorry, why does Peggy Scott not have her own show? What is she doing here?
0: I actually really love the concept of the Peggy story. Okay, wait. I want to talk about this in broad strokes, and then I want to specifically talk about a choice that happens in this first episode that I don't fully get why the show decided this. Anyway, broad strokes, I think it's really like... Characters like Peggy are not in shows like this. No, they're not. And I think not. it's really important to have, like, like I can't remember the last time I saw a show that had a Black American upper middle class family on it in nope. this time period. Nope. Probably never. Never. And I think they're so interesting and so, like, there's so much story to mine there. Yes. But, it should be its but own I show. I also feel like, well, we're not getting three shows out of this, Hunt. And as much as it kills me to say this, because I think this stuff is actually very important, I think they should get rid of, everything involving the Scott family because it doesn't fit well it feels like every time this season this season it feels like every time we see them it's like "Ah." because like we're just completely changing gears like they don't interact even Peggy does not interact with the rest of the show like it doesn't she she goes back to she she this is I guess a small spoiler but I'm pretty sure it was in the trailer she eventually goes back to work at 61st Street for Agnes again and She's there sometimes, but her being there serves no real plot purpose other than to get her to share scenes with other people sometimes, I guess. But like the show doesn't know what to do with her. They don't know what to do with the story. And it feels like this story is happening on a totally different show. And anytime she actually manages to cross over into the rest of the show, it feels like an after-school special. It's very weird. Okay, so... And again, this is also not a show that is equipped to talk about um, post-war racism in in nineteenth-century America.
1: Yeah. Okay. That is okay. That is probably the first part of this. Is that this is not a show that is equipped to talk about Peggy. Um, they do have um one of the one of the producers on the show is Sally Richardson Whitfield, who. Julian Fellows is basically leaning on very hard to get Peggy and her parents and the black upper middle class of the Gilded Age correct. And he lent on a lot for Peggy's adventures when she goes journalism journalist doing journalism south of New York. Now, I I I don't want to talk too many spoilers about what happens in later episodes but it is it is made obvious by the end of episode one that she is going to go south and i think in the trailers there's also enough that we know that this is a thing that's going to happen
0: yeah she wants it's in the it's in the trailer she wants to report on um the tuskegee institute
1: yeah so um one of the things that that i kept when i was watching the later episodes Something you said in our podcast last year in the finale. <laughs>
0: oh, gosh, what did I say?
1: OK, so last year when you we all were will have ta- to
0: remember that as soon as anything comes out of my mouth, I immediately forget that I said it. So take notes. OK,
1: so last year at the end of season one, you were like, why did we have this melodrama with this baby? Why? Why did? Why did we suddenly veer into melodrama? There are all, there were so many other, so much more important things that Peggy could have been used for, and we used her for melodrama over a baby. What?
0: No a memory of this, but I stand by it.
1: Yeah. I, well, no, because what my what I kept thinking to myself is, well, when when we had her have the baby and and lose the baby, that kept her on the same sort of melodrama level as. As Marion and her and 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 her social climber, or or Bertha and and her will Mrs. Astor attend her ball? It made her as trite as everyone else. And when she's down there reporting on this incredibly important story, and they don't flinch about what it's like in the South next to. The Metropolitan A plot and the what is there? It's so incongruous, and it's so not. I mean, I mean, it is actually like jarring.
0: Like I said, it feels like it's a totally different show. It feels like she is existing on a different show within the show. Not only because the tone is so wildly different, but because she doesn't interact with anyone else. Like the only people she even interacts with outside of her own storyline are Marion, um, and Agnes sometimes.
1: I really want Sally Richardson-Whitfield to be given her own series separate from this show. I think that she has her own show that she's doing in here that someone told her or HBO insists that ladies like you and me won't watch her show if she does it without Julian Fellows and there aren't the dresses and hats. And I want to find which HBO person told her this and I want to smack him across the face because you know, it was a white dude because no,
0: um, <laughs> I would just, I would just say that I think I would watch it. Um, <laughs> We're not going to get three different shows out of the Gilded Age. So I'd like to at least focus on how do we make the courage show we have better. And I'm sorry. Okay. I think this plot has to go. Like I just, I do. It's not that it's not important and not that it's not good. In its way, but it does not fit with the rest of the show. And it's really like it's
1: really jarring. If I had to split this show, I would rather have Julian Fellows focus on his two houses of white people and his ridiculous crew of servants that don't need to be there. I'd also and also get
0: rid of some of the servants. Let's, I'm equal opportunity here.
1: Okay. We can cut all the servants and let him keep his two houses of rich people, his old New York and his new New York, and let Sally Richardson Whitfield take her black middle class and have her own show. Because that really, Peggy Scott deserves her own show. That period, that timeline, that history deserves to be told. And it doesn't deserve to be interrupted by dresses and hats in the Metropolitan Opera.
0: Um, I think I would also like, I I said I wanted to talk about it in broad strokes. And then specifically, I would also like to, this is where I'm going to tell you a really big spoiler. So if you haven't finished the first episode, like hit skip forward. Okay.
1: All right. I I actually want to know what your, what your turning point is in in episode one, because I think I know, but I want to make sure.
0: Um, well, I just want to talk about the baby.
1: Oh, okay, cool. Yes, you are talking about what I think you are. Okay, cool. Anyway, um, And
0: I want to talk about, we went through all of that stuff last season, and then season two just opens with the revelation that Peggy's son, um, who was, a you know, her long-lost baby that was given away to another couple in Philadelphia, died of scarlet fever. Yep. Like, right before she gets there to find him. Poof. And I'm just like, what? Yep. This is how you get out of it? Yep. It was that was weird.
1: Right? Like I I it really felt like oh, we didn't actually want to give her a baby. We just wanted to like We just wanted
0: the idea of a baby.
1: Yeah, and it really yeah. I
0: mean, it would be it would be one thing like at least the show tries to in in episodes to come like sort of suggest that Peggy's like rededication to her journalism and changing the world um to help black people better sort of navigate it. Is because she lost her child, but um, it doesn't really do that very well. And, and it, there's hints that it's like makes a real crack in her parents' marriage and like all this other stuff. But like, it de- like the show doesn't have time to do this in the depth that it deserves.
1: It doesn't have time to do it the way it needs to, which is why if there is any plot here that truly deserves its own hour, that is it.
0: I mean, we're not going to get that. I'm just trying. Ch- I'm just trying to be like the solution here to fix the show is not give that its own show because that will not happen.
1: Well, that's the thing is, I think. Okay, if if we are talking in my fantasy world, that is what I want. I mean,
0: Julian Fellow, like, didn't we all watch the season of Down to Abbey where Rose dated a jazz singer? Uh, Julian Fellow should not touch this material. Well,
1: no, that's why I'm saying like. Sh- that's why it should be separated off completely and given to the, the woman who he is actually the woman who is actually telling this story under him, who he is 100% relying on is this woman, Sally Richardson Whitfield, who is actually the one who knows this material, who's actually the one who's the expert in Gilded age middle class black upper class black life from this time period. OK, like she's the one who's working. On, she's the executive producer on the show who is driving this story. She's the one who deserves to have this show to be given it and to be allowed. like, call him an executive producer, have him hand her wads of money. But she's the one who should be running it when it's given if and when it's given its own show. And I would prefer that as much as I feel like the Van Ryns at this point, that Van Ryn household is at this point so cohesive, it could easily just be picked up and put over there and have its own hour. Like it really is just so self-contained in this season that it really does feel like it could just easily be pulled out, like like the boxes in the Met. (laughs) But honestly, it does. But honestly, well, I think
0: part of it, it, I think part of it is that like with the Van Ryans and the Russells, like if we're gonna look at it in terms of like like boxes, mm -hmm. they have enough interchangeable pieces that like those stories make sense to tell next to each other. The Peggy stuff is just like. I don't know, and I feel really bad saying that because I do think it is important stuff that 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 um, period drama. Like we, we don't we don't have shows that tell
1: these stories. We should have shows that tell these stories. But
0: that does not stop me from saying I don't think the story belongs in this show.
1: No, it doesn't. It deserves its own show, or somebody needs to go make that show. But and I I would really like that show. I I uh, you know, the worst part is. And this embarrasses me because there is a level where I sort of half knew that there was a black upper class in New York that lived in Brooklyn during like the late 1800s because I knew that that's where like Frederick Douglass went and so forth. But like my brain never really thought about it until the Gilded Age like made it real in my screen and my brain went, holy shit, why, why have I never had this show? Where is this shit? Why have I never been given this before? And that, to me, is a the power of television, the power of 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 showing these stories and the power of telling these stories, and 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 then you know we 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 focus so much, especially in the 1800s, on white people stories and 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 not we don't tell non the non white the non you know. The, the 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 non-american non-british experience like that that really it matters and we should tell it more and i real, i'm really glad that that the gilded age highlighted that but i really want that to be its own show now and i really want to like go back to my dresses and hats those. i mean seriously you started it the first episode was easter i almost cried i know um <gasps>
0: Uh, <gasps> Mr. Bonnets. I'm mean... legit.
1: Uh <laughs> Okay, can I also just can I also just say, "Holy god, where are all the pigeons? That is the cleanest New York I have ever seen." <laughs> There's
0: probably some people whose job it is to like shoo the pigeons. <laughs> but um anyway, uh I do think I just this is not the show to deal with the Peggy story. No, it really think, isn't. Because it's because this is not The show—it's not a serious show. No, it's it's not. uh, This is the only ways in which the show I think is serious in a way that makes sense for it. I do think there is some interesting stuff happening here about um, older women and the lives they live, Uh, and and that's something
1: Julian Fellows has always been interested in in a way. Like he, Lady Mary was always his favorite. You know, he always. You know, there's a reason that Maggie Smith has always been his heroine.
0: Isn't it Maggie Smith should be everyone's heroine, but <laughs> True. Um, like I do, I do love a lot of the stuff that they do with a- Ada and Agnes and, and even Bertha this season. Although Bertha is weirdly like not toned down, but I feel like the show doesn't necessarily dig into why she wants all those things as much as the first season did. It's just mm-hmm. sort of like taken as read that she wants them. Yeah. Um, I would like to know your thoughts on uh, Marion this season, because I will, I will be straight up. I hated Marion. In the first season, I don't really like Marion now, but I don't hate her anymore.
1: Um, I think I think she got smacking lessons. Um, <laughs> um I wouldn't even say that.
0: I think the show, I think the show in in as I said before, I think the show does a lot better this season. Is sort of understanding what kind of show it is and what kind of stories it's telling. Um, and I think. I think it stops relying so much on Marion to be like the audience's window. And therefore she's allowed to do and want things in a way she wasn't before. And she's much less of a cipher. I still think she's often very annoying, um, but less so than the first season. Although I got to tell you, I could be less interested in her love life.
1: (laughs) Um, Honestly, the thing about Marion and Gladys and even, like, um, Mrs. Astor's daughter, is that they all feel very underbaked.
0: Well, yeah, like, Gladys's entire personality is she wants to get away from her mom.
1: Yeah. Although, I
0: can't, although if my mom was Bertha Russell, I don't, I don't know that, that I would, I feel, I feel for her, is what I'm saying.
1: I, I, in this, okay, it, in, uh, it's the flip side of Fellows caring so much about the older women and telling the stories of the older women in this time period and in, in his shows in general, is that he never really has all that much interest in the young. And he just sort of, to him, they're unfinished. And you really do feel that, especially in this show because there are so many freaking characters. That the young Uh, ones, the young ones are all sort of left as faint sketches of who they might become someday.
0: What's weird for me is that even though there's definitely more characters in last season, I found it easier to keep track of them all this season. And I don't Mm. know if that's because they're simply like grouped together more logically or if.
1: Yes, that. No, no, it's that. It's 100 percent that. He groups them better. And he because because as I take notes, um, there was actually a moment where I was like, I really wish I was recapping this season because it is so much better managed in terms of scenes and in terms of how it's put together. Because one of the things that when I when I recap season one is that a lot of times when when you recap a show. You have to kind of like smush the parts together to make them make sense. Like um, World on Fire is a perfect example of this. Like you have to put all of the Manchester's together. You have to put all of the Egypt together. You have to put all of the right in order to make in order to make a linear read for the for the for the reader. Right? You can't you can't just okay. And then this happens. And then this happens. And then we jump back. And then we jump back. And then we jump back. And we jump back. That won't that that just confuses the reader. Right? and i did a lot of that in season 1 here everything feels of a piece and each part leads to the next part and i loved that
0: um i think it also actually makes it really easy to tune out the stuff you don't care about yes that too um because there were definitely moments uh in in this episode and and certainly in episodes to come where the only reason i knew something was happening with the mr russell uh union storyline was i heard patrick page's voice <laughs> who plays his like man he plays his like valet or manservant or right-hand person or i don't even i don't know what his job is patrick page um but he has a very distinctive he played hades, in hades now, and hades sound. he has an extremely distinctive like very low bass voice and so i i'd be like oh we're back to that now because i like heard patrick page and that was what made me like like look up kind of but uh, like if he wasn't in the scene i didn't notice
1: yeah it does it does mean that you you focus you can focus in and out much better too um so the fact that there are nathan
0: lane's horrible accent god love him he is one of my favorite stage actors of all time like he is incredible
1: but his southern
0: accent sounds like he just wandered in from like a kfc commercial i just can't do it
1: i mean seriously that is a deplorable accent and he's, he's like, and the thing is is he's
0: amazing like his it, he deserves like so many more Tonys than he actually has he's incredible
1: yeah he really is um and it's not I i don't i don't know who thought to saddle him with that accent but my god it's atrocious i mean it's just it is it is something else atrocious um and yeah, greg
0: told me he's like you should try to do his accent i'm like babe i can't do that accent
1: Nobody can do that accent. I mean, seriously. Except maybe
0: the guy playing, like, the Colonel in KFC commercials. I don't know. It's just really bad.
1: No, no, no. I mean, seriously, Alton Brown's version of the KFC Colonel is better than Nathan Lane's accent. And that's saying something. Um, it is, it is bad. Um, and, you know, the thing is, is that there's just so much, there's so much about this show that's good and entertaining that the things like that also sort of stick out. As so yeah, ludicrous yeah. and over-the-top ludicrous.
0: But, like, that's the sort of secondary character that I think really works on the show, though. Atrocious accent aside. Like, like that's this Like, versus the servant-level kind of character, I think we need more of kind of the supporting rich folks. Mm. I mean, yes. Ward, Mc, yeah, Ward McAllister was a real person, and he was very famously, like, Mrs. Astor's BFF and, and all of this other stuff. But I think that, if you want to have, like, a secondary level, like, that's the level you should focus on, like, the Ward McAllister level and not Bannister.
1: I would 100% agree with that.
0: I think Ward is actually really interesting. I love that he's, like, basically is like, look, I'm gonna, like, sit here and see which one of y'all wins. And, like,
1: I like that. Do you even know who, like, the, the servants are, like, Bridget and Jack? And if I say these names, will that, any of that register to you? I
0: know who Jack is, because he's the cute one. <laughs> Okay, there But like go. cute in a puppy way, like not cute in a in a Rufus Sewell way. Okay. Um. Uh. I know who Bannister is. Like I said, because I maybe Jack is like Ottoman in my head. I don't know. Um. <laughs> and then there's Mrs. They have their Mrs. Patmore, whose name I don't know, and they have their Daisy, whose name I don't know, and the they have their Mrs. Hughes that everyone hates, which I love. Like, I don't love her, but I love that everyone hates her. Like, I enjoy watching everyone hate her.
1: Um, her name is Mrs. Armstrong. And yes, everybody hates her. Um, and I, I, yes. But I, I mean, that's
0: what I just did there. That's like all you have to know about this show. You can just literally map these characters to their Downton counterparts and, and just keep it moving.
1: And I do have to say that it is one of the more unfortunate things is that the Russells don't map quite as easily
0: oh my gosh all I know about them is they have the cook who's not really from France mm-hmm. whose American accent is horrible and he should just be French yes Um, and they have their banister who has like a weird sort of like good omen style arrangement with banister where they like while and thwart across the street together I don't know it's very I don't know which I guess banister is probably a zero fail in that scenario anyway um, <laughs> so they have that going on um, Mr.
1: Church and Mr. Bannister is where they are, by the way.
0: Whatever. I just, is my is, I think that my that my metaphor there works. No, your
1: metaphor totally works, by the way. No,
0: they've got their whole like arrangement, capital A going on across the street. Yep. Um and then there's the lady there, Mrs. Hughes, mm-hmm. that the that the Or is I don't know, is she Mrs. Hughes or is she or is she like Um?
1: Mrs. I don't know. Her name is Mrs. Bruce.
0: What? <laughs> you know what? Gun to my head. Could not have gotten close to that. Don't know.
1: <gasps> oh my gosh. Um. And then they have Mr. Watson, who is sort of. Wait, who is that? Um, <laughs> he's the one who is the dad of. The oh right, rich he's girl. the Bates.
0: He's the Bates.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. Well, I, just... I hope
0: this is entertaining to someone else because Annie's like crying, and I'm just really impressed by my good omens analogy because I literally just thought of that and it completely
1: works. It completely works, and I'm now never going to see them as anything else because Mr. Church is 100% Ezreal and Mr. Bannister is 100% David Tennant.
0: <laughs> no, I think it's the other way. I think, think Bannister is a zero fail. Bannister's got, like, the sort of, like, round kindliness thing going on, and the other guy's kind of, like, sharp and pokey. <laughs> what? Y'all know I'm right. <laughs> I guess I have to, like, fake it for a second, because Annie's, like, crying. Um, I don't know. I make
1: my own fun. All right. I've died. Uh, um, yeah, so honestly, like...
0: Look, I can't be expected to remember these million people's names, so I gotta, like, draw the parallels where it helps me.
1: Um... I mean, the thing is, if you're looking so, for what is that man's name again?
0: Church? No, the one you were the 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 guy that I was like, oh, he's the Bates, like, oh, literally- Watson.
1: His name is Watson.
0: Have have they addressed him by that name on the show before? Because yes, that have. feels like news to me. They have. <laughs> okay. And
1: they call her Mrs. Bruce all the
0: time. I I I tweet for the people who don't know their names either, so don't feel bad.
1: I won't even try and ask if you know Gladys Lady's maid because you don't, and it's fine. Gladys
0: has a lady's maid.
1: What? Okay, moving on. Don't worry. She's just as un. She's just as unformed as Gladys. And actually, I find that to be fascinating. That 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 Bridget.
0: No, she's the one that's trying to have the like the Romeo and Juliet cross the street romance. Yeah,
1: there you go.
0: Who cares about that? I don't know what her name is.
1: It's it's Adelaide. But that's Um, yeah, whatever. OK, anyway, point being, um, I find it fascinating that the young servants oh,
0: every time, like going through this, I'm like, there's so many more servants than I even thought there were.
1: <laughs> My point being, though, is that the young servants are just as unformed as the young women, as the young rich women. And that that, that fellows is just as uninterested in them. Yeah, but that's literally he-
0: all the servants. Anyway, um, like I said, I like I literally just feel like I added so much context and depth depth to the show with my good omens analogy like i feel like i'm doing your work for you julian call me <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway um so Listen. If you want something like super serious, like the Peggy Scott story, this is, not, story, the show this for is you. not the show for you. But if you want something that's you know dresses, hats, screaming about the opera, um, and 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 whether or not like the butlers, the dueling butlers are actually you know just like uh, an angel and 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 devil spawn that accidentally fell from hell and are now you know working in two rich people's houses, this is the show for you. <laughs>
0: Um, I actually, I'm not even, like, I really liked season two. Like, I really, I really feel like,
1: um... I mean, it's delightful in its own weird-ass way.
0: I think the choice for HBO to sort of air this weekly in a prestige Sunday slot is very strange. Um, because I don't think it's that kind of show. I think it actually really works better if you binge it. Because it's just, it's fun and it's it's really easy to, like, go through the whole season at a, at one clip. Because it's just... I don't know. I think the second season is just a lot more confident than the first season because I think it has figured out what it's good at. It's still trying to be good at some things that it is. You know, if you can't play the clarinet, stop trying to play the clarinet. That's what I did. But um, honestly, I like, I like like I feel like it is more confident. It is more focused. It is more cohesive in this season. I really liked. It. I really, I very much enjoyed it, despite the fact that there's some stuff that I I would really jettison because I would like more of the stuff that i really enjoy and less of the stuff that i really don't
1: um the thing about the gilded okay well first of all the reason that it's in this prestige sunday slot is that anything that is an actual hbo show gets the prestige sunday slot
0: i know and it's julian fellows emmy winner blah 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 but like this is not this is the, just the vibe of the show is so different than down abbey like it's i mean even though down abbey was also extremely soapy and extremely like entertaining like just i don't know the vibe of this is different. I don't know if it's, I don't know if that's like, if there's more self awareness here or more like, wow, we're making this whole show about some really like kind of worthless people sometimes, but I don't know. If the vibe is different
1: for me. I also think, and, and, um, I'm, I'm, when this and Our Flag Means Death were both announced within a few weeks of each other's coming back for season two. I actually thought to myself, and this is the last season for both, that that, that basically the Warner Brothers discovery uh, acts would come for them as soon as their seasons were over. I'm a little less convinced of that now, um, partly because of the sheer amount of marketing I've seen behind both of them. The Gilded Age has its own podcast. The Gilded Age has, shown, has had a lot of YouTube uh clips dropped on it M- our flagman's death season two's had a lot of clips too and a lot of mar- more marketing than it ever had for season one which has really surprised me um so i'm i might have been wrong on that i'm really kind of hoping i am i'm kind of hoping i'm wrong about gilded age i'd like to i'd like to see the show continue um i actually think i really love this show despite its Despite the fact that it is trying to do way too much all the time. Um I mean it is it this you know, is is like more 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 more. It is
0: so extra. It is so extra and I kind of love it for that. But It is so extra. There are some things that I feel like we could Cuz like I said I think the stuff that it does re- well it does really well. Mm-hmm. And I think that it should put its efforts there as opposed to the stuff that it is just not equipped to do, mm-hmm. which is a lot of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think it's a real improvement. I think it's a a fun season. I, I love everyone's dresses and hats. I, um, I love Agnes and Ada and all of the stuff that, that happens to them. And Christine Baranski is American Maggie Smith, I guess. Go girl. Uh, I mean, you could do
1: way worse. You could do way worse than being the American Maggie Smith. It's true. That's true.
0: Um, I'm actually not sure how, how much any of that discussion really helped inform people who only watched the first episode, but I hope we gave you a sense of kind of where the season is going and and what we thought of it, and if it feels too spoilery, come back to us after you've watched a few more episodes. Yeah. All right, Annie, that's our show, so I think that means you have to tell people where you are on the internet.
1: Oh, um, yeah, I'm at Annie Mundle, basically everywhere on the internet nowadays um because i just wander around squatting on it on all social medias as they crop up um blue sky seems to be where i'm mostly hanging out though i do every so often open twitter and sort of stare in horror um yeah and uh let's see i'm the associate editor here at televisions and i also freelance around the web so you know if you want to know what i wrote this week uh, just follow me um oh and there's pictures of my very fuzzy cats and uh Ske- and 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 skelly visions the mascot um on my instagram at any bundle. woohoo!
0: Um, Huzzah. Uh, I guess we'll have to have some more seasonal mascots for not spooky
1: season. <laughs> what? Okay. I wasn't expecting a six-foot stuffed skeleton to show up.
0: We could put him in like a Santa hat or something. He could be like, you know, like people dress up their 12-foot Home Depot
1: skeletons. He's a six-foot um, stuffed skeleton. It's a half size.
0: Um, I want one of those skeletons, but our yard, we don't have really have a yard for that.
1: what those twelve what those twelve foot?
0: Those the, the home the Home Depot ones, people put outfits on in their yard. Do you
1: know how much those things cost?
0: Um, no, because I don't have yard to put them in, so
1: three hundred dollars, anyway. girl. Eh. Three hundred American dollars. So
0: it doesn't seem that bad to me. Anyway, I don't have yard for it because we have a little tree in the tiny plot of land on our, house, on our townhouse, so no giant skeleton for me. I bet our HOA probably would be mad at me if I did that anyhow. But <laughs> anyway, um, consider this and uh, happy Halloween from us to you. I hope everybody gets lots of candy and no tricks and has fun costumes. Uh, if you dress up any as anything like uh, British related, please send it to us or tweet at us or something because I just, I want, I'm always open to costume ideas and I love to see people Loving my favorite holiday. If you dress up your cats. If you dress up your cats, we want them for Cat Corner. We are at televisions at weta.org. Um All right, I am Lacey MB on Twitter and other social media. I'm still there hanging down with it. Um, I don't know. I write stuff. I tweet about it. Go read it. Thank you. If you just want the site in the pod, we are on social media at Televisions blog. All one word on Facebook and Tele underscore visions on Twitter. Uh, we have not made a decision about where the pod should move with the slow decline of Twitter. So stay tuned for that. When we think of it, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) If you just want more content, we are at televisions.org and we've got news updates, listicles, recaps, reviews, interviews with cool people, all kinds of stuff. And uh, if you want to help us make more of it, there is a donate button up top. That is our show. Oh, wait, I forgot to tell you that if you donate to us, uh, you can also get access to PBS Passport and watch all of the things that we are airing on Sunday nights early and some other exclusive fun stuff. I think the final season of Doc Martin just went up on Passport and I know a lot of people are very into that. So check that out. Uh, enjoy the, the crisp fall weather, the candy, the cider, all of the stuff that uh, happens as spooky season draws to a close. Go get your flu shots, your COVID boosters, any other fun things that you might uh, need to protect your health as we head into the colder months and uh, be nice to a stranger. It'll make you feel better. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Thank you for listening as always. We appreciate each and every one of you and uh, we will see you next week.